Okay. Well, good morning, folks. Um, I just want to share a few things this morning, but before I do, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever really looked forward to something in your life, maybe even on a daily basis? Well, for me, that one thing, and you're going to sort of go, what is he talking about? His marshmallows. Now, let, let me explain something for, for a moment. So I've had to make some lifestyle changes over the last several months because, you know, I got sort of told you've got uh, type 2 diabetes and everything. So my diet had to really change. And one of the things then was at the end of the day is giving yourself a treat. And my treat is one, actually, truthfully, two marshmallows. And what I can tell you, one thing, is not all marshmallows are born equal. Okay? So... Supermarket brand, they're okay and everything else, but there are certain brands that are really worth getting. The problem is, more and more, they're hard to get. They're not on the shelves. So when I get them, it's really for it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to wax the regular marshmallows here for a minute. You know, these marshmallows, when you get these certain brands, they taste different. That texture is really fluffy and light. They smell different. I mean, boy, see, when I get them, I look forward to them. So a few weeks ago, Saturday morning, managed to get a packet of these marshmallows. Brilliant. And 7 o'clock is marshmallow o'clock in my household, by the way. At least for me, anyway, not for the rest of them. And it's okay if other people dip into the packet, but, you know, don't get in the way of Dad's 7 o'clock marshmallow time. So anyway, this Saturday, working away through the day, came to 7 o'clock, opened the kitchen drawer, noticed the packet was open, so... Okay, all right, yeah, you know, it's, they're not exclusive to me, so open the, you know. Then lifted the packet. Now, I did say my, these bar, particular marshmallows are light and fluffy. Well, they'd got very light at this point. Packet not only was open, the packet was completely empty. Okay, yes, exactly. And here's the thing. Now, I immediately mounted an in-depth investigation, okay, there was wailing and gnashing of teeth. And when I'd stopped doing that, what I found is that nobody in our household was admitting to having consumed all the marshmallows. This might shock you. I was left marshmallowness at 7 o'clock at night. Nothing. You know, I just didn't know what to do. Anyway, our topic today is forgiveness. <laughs> and... Just to say what I'm sharing today is come some teaching from the likes of Pastor Bobby Schuler, Joyce Myers, Corrie Tenboom, particularly the hundreds and hundreds of other Christians, of Christ followers that I have the privilege of journeying with and hearing their stories, who have lived forgiveness in their lives, who have practiced it, have lived it out in very difficult circumstances. I also appreciate that for some or maybe many here, this is an incredibly difficult subject because forgiveness causes us to deal with things that are deep and hurtful at times. But it is actually central to our work, walk with God. In fact, it is so important that when the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, right in the middle of that, he put forgiveness. He put forgiveness right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, God, sees forgiveness as important for us, beneficial to us. 
something that we need to do and we need to live out. And our passage today is a familiar one to many of us. It's in Matthew 18, uh, starting at verse 21. And I need my glasses because unlike the young men Phil mentioned earlier, I'm not that young. So anyway, anyway, it starts with this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Some versions actually say 70 times 7 or 490 if you do the maths. So the thing about it is that Peter you know, was probably going up there with a bit of pride, with a bit of expectation that maybe when he said not seven, you know, seven times, that actually there might be a bit of a gasp from the other disciples, possibly a little round of applause. Maybe Jesus was going to say, well done, good and safe, faithful servant. Instead, he gets this, you know, seven times, 70 times. Now, the reason that most commentators will tell you that Peter was sort of thinking that was the teaching at the time. So rabbis taught at the time from Amos chapters 1 and 2, by the way. Not going into that today. But they taught that it was right to forgive three times. But the fourth time you didn't forgive. That was it. End of story. And the reason for that was that they taught that no person, no human being, could forgive more, more than God could. If you go to Amos 1 and 2, you sort of get the context of it. So you can imagine what Peter's done. Peter's gone, well, everyone says three times. I'm going to go double it and add one and then go to Jesus and go, yay. And then Jesus goes, no. He goes, no, not seven times, 70 times. Because he and upping the ante like that. And I can just imagine Peter's disappointment and confusion. Because suddenly Jesus has really brought this, you know, big number in. And then Jesus goes one better. Because not only does he give this big number, but then he shares a story to illustrate how God looks at forgiveness, how Jesus himself looks at forgiveness. And in Matthew 18.23 it says this, Jesus tells this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. That was an unbelievable amount of debt. I'll give you some context to it, 10,000 talents. So King Herod at the time, in that Bible time, his total annual income coming into him from his complete kingdom was around, scholars say, 1,000 talents a year. And Jesus is pointing out and using an example of someone with a 10,000 talent death debt that gets cancelled to express God's forgiveness. In fact, just to sort of show where Jesus was going, in the original Greek, and I know Pastor Debbie's there, I'm not going to try and speak Greek or anything else. There's too many Greek scholars in the room. But in the original Greek, the actual word is the biggest possible number you can express in the Greek language. It's actually where we get the English word myriad from. 
So this is almost, you know, an impossible number to get to. That was what Jesus was expressing in terms of the debt that was cancelled. It's not really your average credit card bill in reality, is it? But here's the thing. The king forgave the debt, showing mercy to someone who had absolutely no way of paying, paying the debt. And that forgiveness had an impact not only on the, on the man, the servant, but also on his wife and his children. That's what God's forgiveness does, that when we get God's forgiveness, it has an impact on others because we live out things in our life in an unexpected way. And the king cancelled that debt in full. There wasn't part, part cancellation. It was a complete cancellation of the debt. And unfortunately, we see that this servant didn't have the same heart. We read later in the passage that someone who owed this ban, really the equivalent that would have been a day's wages. He meets him. And he grabs him by the throat in a, very, in a very friendly way, I'm sure. But he grabs him by the throat and demands payment, demands restitution for what he is owed. And the servant does exactly what this man did with the, with the king. He begs for mercy. He begs for more time to pay it. And he'll pay it back. But the thing about it is this person who's been shown this complete mercy for, for a massive amount. And this is where Jesus hammering it. He does exactly the opposite. He gets the person, goes through the process and gets this person thrown in jail until they can pay the debt. Now here's the thing, and it's easy to miss this. The servant who did that to the other servant owing them a day had every right, every right, to do what they did. Under the law, they had every right to take the person to the courts and get them thrown in jail because they could not repay a debt. The king also had every right to do what he said he would do to the servant in terms of throwing him in jail, selling everything he had, everything else, dealing with his wife and children in that way. But the difference was the heart, the king's heart, was to forgive and to cancel the debt. The servant's heart was, no matter how much they had been forgiven and cancelled, they didn't want to pass that on. The king chose mercy. The other person didn't. Jesus then goes on and tells us the reaction of the other servants. If you and I saw that, we'd be unhappy. Guess what? They were unhappy. And they took what they'd seen, took that story to the king and told what had happened. And then what we read is this, that the king responds. Then the master called a servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You know, the thing about it is, the king's response of throwing the person in jail, and that sounds, you know, why? Why is that in there? Here's the thing about when we don't forgive. We build our own jail cell quite often in life. 
we imprison ourselves, locking ourselves into the past, locking ourselves into the pain of hurt, and never allowing ourselves to be free through forgiveness and through God working through us and in us. Now, the one thing about forgiveness, and one of the reasons so many of us struggle with it, is we hear things about forgiveness, and it gives it, it puts a barrier up, especially where there's deep hurt, where there's deep anger, deep pain involved. So I just want to take some time this morning looking at a few things that forgiveness is not. And just to point out that this and other material around this, uh, there's an organization called soulshepherding.org. It's a really, really good resource website. Um, now, this organization is, is, is sort of primarily focuses past, pastoring pastors. But actually, for us mere mortals, what they do as well is there's a lot of material on there that is beneficial. And I would sort of commend it to you. But anyway, what forgiveness is not. First of all, forgiveness is not excusing. Forgiveness is not excusing things like abuse, neglect of children, physical or emotional damage, betrayal, slander, and things like that. They are wrong. They're sins. There's not an excuse. But the problem is when you've been hurt and violated this, it isn't excusable. But we can find ourselves starting to make excuses or listening to other people. You know, sometimes we start by saying things or hearing things that say, you know, on behalf of someone who's wronged us, well, they did the best they could. They didn't know any better. They were just having a bad day. Or that they were reacting to their own hurt. But those excuses do not change one iota the reality of the injustice that anyone has suffered. The only real solution is forgiveness. Excusing what has happened will not help you or I move forward into forgiveness. In fact, because it's an excuse, it can almost inhibit it. And we need to avoid doing that. Secondly, forgiveness is not forgetting. And this is probably one of the most common ones that you'll hear. Forgive and forget. Now, in many ways, I'm not, you know, not criticising people for saying that because their, in, their intention quite often in that statement is to help people not hold grudges. You know, that, that's why people say it. Forgive and forget. Don't hold a grudge against someone that's hurt you or damaged you. The problem is it's forgiveness, our forgiveness itself, that brings that healing, not forgetting. And in fact, in many cases, forgetting is actually dangerous for us or hurtful. And I'll give a simple example. So if you've shared something confidentially with somebody and you find out that everyone else knows about it and you, that you didn't want passed on, then forgetting that that person's done that isn't a very wise thing because then when you're in their company the next time and You'll, you need to remember this happened and I'll, you know, I'll be careful that I don't share something that I don't want lots of other people to know. Really simple example, but you can have, and I'm sure everyone's got their own examples. The other thing is, by remembering how you've been hurt, it can guard you against future injury. It can just say, it can give you that guideline just to go, right, I don't need to go there. Remembering helps us not to repeat pain and going into that situation. 
And the other one is forgiveness is not overlooking. Now, just to put some context in it, if you were driving to church today, you're driving home, and someone cuts you up in traffic, you know what? It's okay to overlook that. Or if someone in your home or in your family sort of had, you know, got a little bit sharp with you, it's okay to overlook it. That's not what I'm talking about here. You know, the thing about it is, uh, and in Proverbs it tells us, it's a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. That's a good thing to overlook. But it's not healthy for any person to overlook years of rage and abuse that they've suffered at the hands of another one. It does not help in forgiveness and it doesn't help in healing. They need to be able to heal, but equally to protect themselves from the situation. They also need to forgive as part of that process. But overlooking, just sort of going, same as excusing, same as forgetting, overlooking isn't going to help someone forgive and move on. So that's what forgiveness isn't. So what are the other aspects of forgiveness that maybe are important to know? Well, first of all, forgiveness may take time. If you've been deeply hurt, if you've been, you know, really had just maybe years of something to have to deal with and you've come out of it, it can take a lot of time. And I just I say this and just hear me in this. It's not just a matter of making a decision to forgive and saying a quick prayer. And by the way, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying please do because that is the start and God will honor that in your life. But forgiveness of deep wounds, of deep hurts, of old resentments, it's a process that you and I need God's help with. We need the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us heal, help us forgive and help us move on in our lives. And that can take time. Also, forgiveness does not always involve reconciliation. And quite often this is one of the things that you know, people get confused over. Because some people will sort of even tell you that when you forgive someone, it means that you must always reconcile your relationship with that person. But there are circumstances in this life where reconciliation with someone can only be done when it is safe for you to do so. So someone who's been a victim of domestic abuse or any sort of abuse, as an example, reconciliation is only when it's safe, when they know it's safe for them to re-enter that relationship. Just being there and continuing to be abused is not a safe thing. Doesn't mean reconciliation could happen. Thank God that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's between God and people. But equally, we can't do And there have been examples of people being reconciled, by the way. But it's when it's safe. Not, not always. And lastly... As we saw, as we talked about earlier, forgiveness is not deserved. Nobody deserves to be forgiven. Nobody. Forgiveness isn't something that you can earn no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard I try. None of us deserves God forgiveness. We've celebrated communion this morning because God has forgiven us and Jesus has paid the price for us, but not one of us deserved that. Yet, Jesus did it willingly for us. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted that, that forgiveness is fully and freely available for you today. 
The other thing is that when we pass on God's gift of mercy to others, it actually helps us appreciate the forgiveness that we've received. By withholding it, it sort of, you know, it can create a barrier. Jesus said this, he said, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, Matthew 6, 14. Forgiveness is not about us putting people in, the, in our scales of justice. We're great at this. I'm great at this. Anyway, you know, where you sort of balance, you know, when you get into that, oh, should it, shouldn't it? You know, the balance of the scales, because we will never judge someone worthy of forgiveness any more than anyone will judge me worthy of forgiveness. It is God's heart and it's the Holy Spirit working in us that brings us to the place of forgiveness. But in forgiving others, not only do we set ourselves free from the burden we carry when we don't forgive, but we glorify God by showing his character. We are a different people when we forgive. And when we walk out that forgiveness in our lives and the impact that that can have in the lives of, of a family, of a home, of even a nation is much better than lack of forgiveness. Not forgiving locks us into our past. It keeps you and me focused there. It keeps us focusing on the pain, the anger, the other feelings of being wrong. So if nothing else, if we want to forgive and experience the peace and healing that God can give us, that freedom comes when we start to forgive. That freedom comes through that process. But equally it brings an honour and glory to God because we act differently in this world. Jesus taught about loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. That doesn't mean being a doormat, by the way. Absolutely not. What it actually points to is having the capacity to love our enemies comes from a place of incredible strength. In Philippians 4.13, we read that I can do all this through him who strengthens me. That strength to forgive comes through Christ, comes through the Holy Spirit, comes through the presence of God. That is the strength we need when we deal with things. Forgiveness is a process. It is something that we need to work through at times. It's something that brings us into new capacities for love to develop in our lives. It builds us more into God's character as we allow his nature of forgiveness to permeate our own. It can be a process, as I've said, and Joyce Meyer in her teaching when she refers to the scripture, when Jesus says to Peter 70 times or 70 times seven, she says sometimes that can be with one thing we're dealing with where we think we've dealt with it and then something gets to us and we have to go, okay, I'm not quite there yet, God. What do I need to do? Help me, God. I mean, I know myself from personal experience. I think I've dealt with something, things in the past and then something triggers and I'm going, okay, that's not quite done, is it? And I have to spend time with God and just really deal with maybe feelings of resentment or anger that I thought I'd, I'd buried or got rid of. And for just to truly forgive, I tell you, I certainly need God's help. And I believe that's true of all of us. We need to look to God for guidance, dealing with the anger, with the hurt, with the pain, feelings that have led us to needing 
to forgive in the first place. Being recognizing that you need to forgive is the first part of that journey. Self is the author of forgiveness. It's his mercy. It's his grace. It's his strength through Jesus that every one of us needs. And each of us can start in participating in that when we decide to forgive. But forgive with God's help. If we try and do this on our own, we will not succeed. But with the help and the person and the presence of God through his spirit, we will. And there's testimony after testimony. And when we forgive, not only do we show God's character, but we glorify him by demonstrating his name. Now, guys, I don't know if you're coming up or not. Okay, right, okay. So there's a lot more, and I've sort of gone through a few things. I've deliberately today not gone into specific examples of my life and forgiveness or other people's. And the reason I've done that, as I felt God say to me this week, this is about you. This is about where you are in your lives right now, personally. Is there any forgiveness? Is there anything you need to consider? If there is something you're struggling with today, don't let the opportunity pass. Don't hold it one moment longer. Invite God to help you to forgive, to start that process in your life. Step into the freedom that God gives us through forgiveness. And if it's an area that you're struggling with, just invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to stand in the flow of just God's abundant forgiveness for us and experience that and through that flow of his forgiveness start dealing with what you need to forgive prayer teams available over there after the service when we're closed equally if people want to talk there's leaders at the front but please Please, during this time of worship, if there's something or someone on your mind, take the opportunity to say, God, help me. Help me to forgive. Even if it might be something simple, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. God bless you.